You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a women's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here. Go ahead and take a look at a few episodes, find the titles that resonate, and get an idea for what this podcast is all about. In today's episode, I hand the mic over to Amrit Sandhu to share his full story about depression, spirituality, and a few of the life-changing, pivotal moments that inspired him to start Inspired Evolution. Welcome to the podcast, Amrit. It is such a treat to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Yes. And Amrit, you actually helped me start my podcast. <laughs> so that's like a disclaimer, is it? <laughs> if this is not going so well, you can just blame me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gave me tons of insight and I'm so grateful for that. Of course. it's uh, Yeah, no, it's an absolute blessing to just, uh, I guess, you know, we're going to dive a little bit into spirituality and 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 so forth but like my whole ethos is to live a life of service right and um as you can see like just yeah being of service is something so epic like what you're creating here is so inspiring you know and just the conversations you get to have and how you get to evolve and grow in that process and just to be of service to that sister and just for you to take that and go running with it is is such a blessing so thank you for creating this yes absolutely yeah thanks for being here as well so I'd love to go ahead and get started with uh, your story and just giving people a background of what space you're in now, kind of how you got started, and then we can hone in specifically on your path through spirituality, because I know that's a deep story. <laughs> awesome. There's so much in there. Um, yeah, so maybe this will end up being like a Joe Rogan podcast going for like four and a half hours then. <laughs> um, so my story, hey? Uh, I guess the key point where I started really like identifying with some of the stuff that, you know, um, can latch in for the listener um, is just uh, when I was around university and I got diagnosed with depression. Um, Up until then, you know, like growing up, like, you know, standard sort of upbringing, um, obviously had my own challenges, had my own successes and all that. Um, But it was really at this point in – yeah, it was a couple of years in the university and I basically ended up at some point in, uh, in a psychologist chair and I remember looking at the psychologist and she's just diagnosed me with depression. And normally I know there's a lot of people in this space that say, hey, labels don't really serve me um, and labels don't really serve us. You know, everybody just is like an organic expression of life and they're just human beings and it's all good. And I totally believe that. Um, but in, my, in that moment for me, my truth was the minute I got labeled with depression, it was actually a massive relief. Um, because I'd heard so many things about depression and anxiety, but I just, I thought it was out there. It was for everyone else. You know, I didn't really think that was something that was going on for me. You know, I didn't think it was something for me. Um, but I always kind of knew that something was, something was off. I always had that, you know, like there's something was off. 
And in that moment, she said, look, you've been struggling with depression for about six years now, um, just based on your story and where it's been at. And, um, you know, you'll be okay in a, in a few months. And I was like, I was very surprised to hear her say that, you know, first of all, that yes, you've been struggling for X amount of time. And then, you know, a very sub fraction of X amount of time, you'll be okay. You know, I was like, wow. Okay. How can you say that? Um, anyway, she was like, cause you can identify like my whole world had come crashing down around me basically in this moment, you know? Um, and she said, because you can see that something's wrong. So normally it's very difficult to get someone to see that something is off in their life. Um, but I could clearly see that something was wrong. The way I was living life was not, uh, normal and not okay. And, um, in that moment, um, you know, we can, we can talk a little bit why, like what was at the crux of that? Um, but she basically prescribed me, um, yeah, antidepressants and, by some grace of God, the doctor that referred me to the psychologist also was like treating me at the same time. Um, I went to see the doctor and said, "Look, she prescribed me. Uh, she prescribed me antibio- uh, antidepressants. Thank you so much." And the doctor herself gave me um, a breathing exercise. And I remember looking at the doctor and going, "Really, breathing? You know, like I remember just looking at her, just going, like, really, this is what we're talking about.' Like, I've just been diagnosed with depression for six years." And you're just going to tell me to breathe, which is something that I've done my whole life, <laughs> you know? And it's like, really? And I, I'm not an angry person generally, but like in this moment, I was just like, girl, like breathe. Like, are you serious? <laughs> and um, so she basically wrote down a breathing exercise, which was counting your breath, um, coming in and going out up to the count of five and then coming back down to one. So for those listening in, it's basically breathe in, one, breathe out, two, breathe in, three, breathe out, four, breathe in, five, breathe in, Four. So it's just going back up and down to the count of five following your breath, right? And I was just, I completely discounted what the doctor had to say. And I went home, fulfilled my prescription, took my first antidepressant, and it was amazing. It was incredible. I'd moved through this space and I was basically, there's no better word for it, but I was high. Yeah. And I was on this life high and I was, you know, cleaning the house, getting all these things done. And I was just like, this is amazing. I feel so good, like so alive. And I think three and a half, four hours later, I crashed and I came down and I was back to where I was, you know, and the prescription was basically just to be fulfilled like two to three times a day as required. And I realized, I knew enough about like, you know, uh, you know, uh, inducing chemical states in your brain that this didn't feel right. You know, I was like, this is not okay. Like I know that I felt good, but if I keep coming back down and I keep jumping back up chemically and I keep coming back down to my organic place and I keep jumping up chemically and I keep coming back down to my organic place, I don't think that's long-term sustainable. And I think that's actually probably going to do more harm than good. So I only ever took the one antidepressant. And after that, I kind of just like, you know, sort of saw them as taboo and just sort of put them off to the side and said, hey, look, like, this is not okay. Um, It's not for me, you know, and I know that there are people that, you know, really need um, antidepressants and, you know, they get them through some really hard times in life and I totally respect that. Um, It just wasn't for me, 
And, but I hadn't, I had no recourse, you know, I was kind of stuck in this situation. And I remember being, um, in an anxiety provoking environment at the time I was at university and university was this thing that was, you know, anxiety provoking for me. And so then I'm sitting there, I'm walking down one of the corridors at university and I can feel the anxiety piling in. Right. And it was really intense. It was really intense. Like I could feel the restriction of breath and, um, you know, it was, it was just, I was feeling all this and I, didn't realize, but I used to avoid that connection to myself and my emotions, my anxiety, my depression by just connecting to others. So I literally pulled out my phone to call someone and that's just what I would do as like a default. I would spend like plenty of time on the phone just talking to my friends throughout the day, right? And I pulled out my phone and by some grace of God, um, on the back side of my phone, I had a clear cover and on the back side of the phone, I'd put the breathing exercise face up in the back of my phone. I don't know why I did that but it was just there, you know, and uh, so call it divine intervention or whatever. And I looked at it and I just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to give this a shot. And I did exactly as I described to the listeners before and everything changed in that moment because I softened, I breathed and everything kind of just came back to like this really calm, centered place. And I was like, wow, everything that was bugging me just like literally 15 seconds before that whole sensation is now gone. Yeah. And that was really, really, really profound for me. So obviously that led down to a journey on mindfulness, you know, and I started really learning about depression and anxiety and mindfulness. And for those listening in, many of you are probably aware for those, some people this may be new information, but basically depression is where you spend more and more time reflecting on the past, yeah? So like your brain's natural like homeostasis is to reflect on thoughts of the past. You know, it just goes, I wish I could have done this differently or I should have done that or, you know, perhaps if this went this way, it could have been better. As you can see in all those statements, there's this element of regret, yeah? And that element of regret compounds over time to become your depression, right? And depression and anxiety are often linked together because, you know, projecting into the future and spending more and more time into the future. Oh, I wonder how this is going to go. Oh, I wonder if this is okay. Or how, how's that going to work out? Or am I going to have enough money for this? Or do I really want to be that person? All these thoughts, right? As you can feel like there's this like uncertainty about the future about them and that's anxiety, right? So they're linked very much together because one is slipping into the past and one is slipping into the future. And the antidote, obviously for me and for many others, you know, and Eckhart Tolle speaks a lot about this and, you know, um, spent, six months basically getting direct tutelage from Eckhart Tolle in order to help others live a life of uh, presence and purpose, which has been an absolute blessing for the inspired evolution to have his mentorship, um, is to bring people back into the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, like if just take this present moment, I am literally sitting in front of a microphone in a beautiful home, speaking to an incredible individual in Chelsea here. And, you know, we're having this really yummy conversation. And so in the present moment, again and again, time dilates into this really present, beautiful place. There's never anything really wrong in the present moment for the most part. Yeah. And so coming back into that and being anchored in the present moment through mindfulness, through breathing, opened up this whole other rabbit hole of just yeah, of mindfulness. And then that started a whole journey of its own. Um, and I'm conscious that I've been talking a lot in this corner, but this is, I guess, the story and the and how it goes. Um, and so from there, yeah, so, you know, there was definitely an impetus from the depression for, you know, and we're both uh, connected to Mindvalley. Um, 
And yeah, so I do a lot of the um, the trainings and the seminars for Mind Valley in Australia. We run their programs here. Um, and one of the terms that they use is rules, which is basically a bullshit rule, right? Um, and then culturescape, which is like the landscape yeah. of culture, like culture can literally be felt and is tangible like a landscape. Um, it's called the culturescape. And the culturescape is propped up by all these rules. And one of the rules that I was adhering to at the time, right, was um, was basically I grew up in an Indian household, right, and but I grew up in a Western society, and there's just there's two very different cultures at play here, you know, being part of an immigrant family. Um, in India, there's a lot of population, there's a lot of pollution, you know, and it's it's just there's it's it's very it's a challenge to get ahead, like even academically to get into schools, you know, it's, it's just a very, very competitive country where there's so much population and literally the, the struggle to survive, you know, is like, you know, is they legitimately have um, problems of scarcity, right? Whereas most of the problems in the world, you know, Chelsea, yourself and myself, we live in, we have, you know, problems of abundance, <laughs> you know, it's like now we're choosing to be minimalists because our brains are so scattered, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, you know, those are definitely problems of abundance, not problems of scarcity. So, but you've got these two very different cultures colliding in an individual such as myself, right? So I grew up with, just to give you one example, was like no matter how far, and my mum's an awesome individual, but no matter how far away she was from her destination and you called her to check up on where she was at, she would tell you she's five minutes away, yeah? It's like, where are you? Oh, just five minutes away. And she'd be 20 minutes later, you know? Um, and this was this was just something that I, I'd, I'd grown to, I, would, I just grew up with this, you know? It's like, just tell the person you're five minutes away. When you get there, you can explain what happened. Yeah. And that seems like a very normal thing for, I'm sure some of the people that are listening in, but for some people that are listening in and going, no, that's not okay, mate. Like if you're going to be 20 minutes, you tell the person it's 20 minutes so that they can like do something with that 20 minutes of their life, respect their time, you know? And so those are the two very different cultures, you know, and that's just one small example, right? But there would be things where my friends would be like, Hey, are you coming over tonight? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll totally be there. And then I wouldn't show up right? Because when I was on the phone, I would be placating him with the best foot I could put forward in that moment, which is like, yeah, of course I'll be there. Love you. Bye. Right. But then there'd be those moments where like literally the tasks I was involved in, in my like six inches in front of my face were so consuming that I'd get wrapped up in them and then not end up going around to my friend's place. And then it'd be like, Hey, like they couldn't even trust me to like come through on my word. And this kept propagating into like bigger and bigger things. This was a small, like to, to basically where on one hand I was putting my best foot forward, but I was in a society where it was just be as transparent and like, you know, just be as real as you can with your current situation. And I was kind of in this juxtaposition of, do I put my best foot forward, which is what I was consistently doing, as opposed to just being real and transparent. And so in and around that, that came crashing down when consistently I was just, you know, projecting that, you know, like, I've got this, you know, like I'm living this life and everything's all good. I'm putting my best foot forward. Like I've got three jobs and going to university and, you know, like and traveling around the world and doing all these amazing things. But really behind that, there was so much hollowness. There was just like, you know, I, I, I wasn't succeeding at university at the time. And, you know, like I was literally just taking my money and traveling and just going where I wanted to go. And there was all these things that were falling apart but I had no one to speak to my truth. I couldn't speak my truth because I didn't understand how to. I thought just everybody was in this in this space where they were just trying to do the best they could with what they had and this was just life, you know, until basically I ended up in the psychologist chair because there was so much stress and I was like, this is not, like, this is not normal. Like, what's going on? 
And she goes, yeah, like you just need to adopt honesty. And in that moment I was just like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, you just, mm. you, you're not even honest with yourself. Like you're pushing so hard to be someone that you're not. Like you just can't even like just, just adopt honesty. And if you can do that, you know, you'll, you'll be okay. And I was just like, wow. You know, in that moment, it was just like, it was like a sentence that someone said that completely changed my life. And in that moment, she gave me this exercise, which was, she pulled out, I got to choose the color of the piece of paper that I wrote this exercise on. So it felt a bit like arts and crafts in, <laughs> at school. And I chose yellow because it always reminds me of the sun and I love the sun. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And she, you know, you I basically made a vow to myself on this piece of paper and I had to write it down. And in that moment, I was quite clear that, you know, and this is uh, an insight into my, you know, university. So I was like, dude, this is this is lame. Like, you know, this this exercise only places as much weight on it as I put on it. You know, because this is me making a vow to myself, and I'm not even honest with myself. And you know, like this this means nothing. But in that moment, I guess on some level, I'm proud to say that you know I made a choice and said, no, this is going to mean something because it is only as much as it, there is only as as much weight to this as I give it. I'm going to give it weight. You know. And so in that, yeah, I basically made the vow to be as honest as possible going forward and um, be completely honest going forward. And in that, I'd love to say that, you know, it was a switch. <laughs> and like the next moment it was like, yeah, we're good to go. Like now I'm just honest and transparent. Absolutely not. You know, like going forward, I had these moments where, oh, whoops, I lied, you know, and it was like, but because I'd made that commitment, it triggered. There was like a, oh, I did the wrong thing. And I could feel it for the first time as like water going the wrong way against the current. And I was like, ah, oh, wow, okay. You know, and it happened like a dozen, two dozen times. But after that, I started being able to see it. And that awareness really was an impetus for personal development and change, right? So then you collide that with what was going on with the mindfulness awareness, right? So now there's like personal development in terms of like, okay, wow, you know, I can actually take on values and change who I am and how I show up by forcing myself, like focusing my attention and literally forcing myself to be a certain way. Like I can force myself to be honest, right? And with the mindfulness and the awareness, like now I'm growing this space between who I am because mindfulness started evolving into meditation. I started dropping into greater de depths of observation of self and just observing and being like, I'm more than my mind now. I'm, I'm this body, there's space for spirit. There's so much in there and that consistently going on the journey with the two has then unfolded into this whole process. And meditation for me was always something that was always there. My dad, you know, woke up every morning, sat in the sun and meditated, you know, after a cup of tea for, for an hour every day, you know. Um, he would sleep maybe four hours but he would meditate every day. And I just thought it was something like far off for him, you know, like he is – so he's a spiritual sage, touch wood in my humble opinion. <laughs> he's amazing. And um, – yeah, I, I just always thought it was far off and it was for him, you know. It was like this esoteric thing, you know. You definitely put your parents on these pedestals when you're younger as well. And, you know, it was like he was the incarnation of, of God, like, for me, you know. And so in and around that, um, I just didn't think meditation was for me. But then as mindfulness started opening up because of, you know, all the depression and all that work, um, mindfulness generally led into meditation. I saw that med mindfulness was just a form of meditation. And then from meditation, that just opened up into deeper and deeper levels of spirituality and actually working with it and expressing and seeing where that really went and what spirituality really was for me. Um, yeah, that was profound, um, just that journey and moving all the way through that because – 
I guess growing up Indian, spirituality has always been a massive part of, um, I guess it's part of everybody's DNA, but, you know, the massive part of our focus. Um, but then really stepping into meditation and giving that space in my life and just allowing that to operate from yeah. there is kind of, yeah. And so that was basically the first impetus for change. Um, and that still doesn't explain where the inspired evolution came from. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so. I know that's an amazing on. story for sure. And so your family was spiritual. Your, your, your father was meditating, but for you, you didn't really feel or see the value in it or what you were doing it until you went through this whole experience to kind of um, almost as a catalyst for your own spiritual development, right? Yeah, so some of the seminars we deliver for Mind Valley um, are based on Vision's book, and there's this moment called the awakening. So for me, that moment sitting in the psychologist chair was the awakening. So I had this catalyst moment that you referred to. Absolutely, that was my moment, which was like bang, like something's wrong, and going forward, something needs to change. You know, and that was very uncomfortable. You know what led me to that moment, and it was still uncomfortable after that moment. But that moment was like a crystallizing moment, very, you know, a very amazing moment for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's great. And so, from the time that you kind of discovered this, mm. you went on your own journey, mm. you did a few things in between this moment and inspired evolution right <laughs> yeah so um so basically i um yeah i went on like so i've been on like so i basically left uh left my city um and you know there was something that happened in there that people were like you've just discovered that you've got you know depression now's not the time to leave your community your tribe these are the people that are there they're part of your support network and you know there's some part of me that just knew intuitively that it wasn't my environment that was the problem. It was me in my environment. Um, and I almost needed just a little bit more space to have a clean slate to start again. And I left. I literally left um, just being diagnosed with depression to a whole new city. I moved to Brisbane at the time and just started from from scratch basically and just said, look, like I'm just going to, you know, learn how to be different, you know, in a new place, in a, in a new way. And just that'll make it easier for my integration. And my parents were freaking out. My psychologist was freaking out. My doctor was freaking out. They're like, don't do this. And I just kind of knew in my bones that this is what I had to go do. So I went to Brisbane. And from there, I moved to basically uh, a little bit after that, I moved to Melbourne to where my um, my partner was. And from there, yeah, Melbourne's been really amazing. You know, there's an amazing community here um, for anything that you want. If you're into sports, if you're into spirituality, if you're into, you know, going to music festivals, there's something for everyone here. And when I moved here, I was definitely like more into music and I still am. Music's a massive part of my life. But from there, you know, like spirituality started becoming a thing because we we're talking about mindfulness, meditation and all this sort of stuff. And there was just a community of people here that, you know, would go on retreats um, and we just started meeting more and more like-minded people. Um, yoga became a part of my life and all these little bits and pieces culminated into just meeting more people and feeling less like weird to be spiritual and just like bonding with people over like, oh, yep, you know, and not saying that yoga is, you know, the identification of spirituality, just people that are generally on a yogic path have pondered spirituality a little bit, you know, so I was meeting these people and having some really yummy conversations. And these were the people that I genuinely, you know, had a, like really good interactions with. And then 
we were on this path and, you know, I graduated from university. Um, and just to bring that story full circle, you know, at one point in time, like university was the most anxiety provoking thing. And then touch wood, like, and I don't say this to gloat, but just to sort of see the transformation that is available. I graduated university in Melbourne, like not just the top of my engineering class, but the top of like all the, and I don't even know how they measure that really, but it was based on an interview process against all degrees for that year. So the mindfulness and the meditation, like it works. <laughs> I'm like proof in the pudding, you know. So for me, this is why I'm running around the world traveling and going meditation, mindfulness, you know, your stress, your anxieties, your depression. Like it worked on me, you know, <laughs> like it legitimately, legitimately helped and I'm the proof in the pudding. And so that's based around like a lot of the talks that I give. So when I graduated, I ended up like top of the top of the class. So I got the best possible career that I could, you know, straight out of university. And I remember the first day I went there, it was I identified in the first day that I was there through meditation mindfulness. I had this awareness of like, okay, energy, right? And so I'm sitting there and I looked at my boss that was, you know, second to the CEO. And I was looking at him and his lifestyle and I was like, ooh, that's not the person I want to become in any shape, way, form or manner. Yeah, it's corporate construction. And I was like, uh, that person's dishonest. <laughs> Not to, you know, just calling it for what it is. That person's dishonest, um, you know, manipulative. And, you know, it's like this and it's like that. And was, there's a lot of things that were out of alignment with my values that I'd had to cultivate. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the, the role of the millennial, you know? Maybe it's like we're going to be, and every generation feels like they're going to be the change that they want to see in the world. So I just got to stick it through and eventually, you know, the organization will change to accommodate, you know, the the people of the future. And I stuck it through for some time and yeah. eventually it got to a point where, you know, and when you're in a when you're in a relationship with someone, you generally have like, you know, you're both mirrors of each other. And my partner, she's a dentist, and dentists have this really amazing thing in that like they generally earn good money for their services. And but dentists also have one of the highest suicide rates for a profession and I'm not saying my girlfriend was suicidal but I think what my humble understanding of it is that when you're earning more money than you need to basically be in what I we collectively call the rat race right you can kind of see this overarching view into society and you can see like oh actually what is everybody doing they're going to work exchanging their time to pay their bills for a home that they're not spending any time in because they're out earning that money what the fuck is going like it's it's just this really bizarre and so she could see that obviously and obviously with the mindfulness meditation I was aware of this as well and she you know while I've been working in this company for a while and she basically said you know I, I want to like, there's got to be more to my life than filling holes in people's teeth. I think I want to go traveling. And I was like, absolutely go. And she was like, really? <laughs> I'm like traveling. So I've been to 58 countries before there was personal development in my life. There was traveling. Traveling is incredible. It broadens your horizons, broadens your perspectives, opens your mind, opens your heart to different cultures. It's incredible. Right. And so I was like, absolutely go, like go, do not stop. Do not hesitate. Go family was like I'm not sure if this is a good idea <laughs> like trying to get me to like be the one that was perhaps like hey stay <laughs> you know like I'm gonna miss you and I was like no I'm, I am gonna miss you but if this is what you need you know totally go and just for those listening in like you know so, so she was gone for about 12 months and I just want to flag this because sometimes people say like oh that must have been really hard or it was really noble of you to let her go and even like let her go, that language that people use when they reflect this back to me is like, dude, I'm no one to to tell her what to do, you know? 
And if we just look at it from a really grounded, selfish perspective, like we're two halves to a whole, yeah? And if she's not feeling whole, even just from a selfish place, whatever she needs to be whole, please go do that, you know? And if that means I'm going to struggle with a little bit of loneliness for a little bit, for sure, you know, touch wood, like, of course, but that's just me holding space for someone that I love more than anything else, you know? So, yeah, you know, there's just, just wanted to flag that in there because that often triggers people. It's like, oh, there's no way I could let, you know, we could be apart for a year. And it's like, and it's, it was an amazingly transformative time, you know, because after having been in a relationship for six years, I was at home by myself with so much space to reflect and see who I was in our relationship and, you know, the energies of it. Like, and there's simple things, <laughs> like it's not all really deep. It's like simple things. She'd turn around to me and she'd be like, Amrit, you're messy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're messy too. And she left and then I realised, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm the messy one, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, there's like I, I learned these little things about me. But then I also started interfacing with like, oh, you know, she's really good at like building connections in, in our community, but I'm really good at like maintaining those connections. Like once I'm connected to someone, like I genuinely like engaging with them, just following up, like seeing how their life is going, this, that, and the other. And so I started noticing these things about myself. And normally when you're in a partnership, you kind of lose track of who, like where one person begins and the other one ends, you know, and what yeah. they bring to the world. But it was this really profound thing. So I remember at one point I was literally sitting on the same chair I'm sitting on now in my house. And uh, I was watching a Tony Robbins video and I basically had an epiphany, right? I was like, boom, I had an aha moment. And normally I just turn to the couch and she's sitting there and I'm like, dude, I just realized. And then I would da- like, I would download onto her, right? And in that moment, I went to download onto her and she wasn't there because she was traveling the world. She was finding herself. Yeah. And I realized, wow, holy cow, surely other people feel the same. I'm Surely I can't be alone in this, right? And I said, all right, what I'm going to do is give myself permission to basically set up a Facebook group. And there was a few things that were ruminating in my, like, in my being, in my consciousness, for some of them for quite some years that all came into this one singular moment. I was going to invite everybody over to my house every fortnight on a Friday. I'd given up alcohol at this point, um, and I still was an extrovert and I wanted to socialize. And so I wanted people to come over Friday night drinks, but not drinks, every alternate Friday. I'd brew chai. And you'd come over. And the premise became basically chai, chats, and community. (laughs) And if we didn't have anything to talk about, I'd basically put on a TED talk or someone would bring a poem and we'd dissect the poem. Um, And now we've had like jam nights. We've had, you know, because music is such a big part of the community and all different types of sorts of things, right? And I called it Mandala Moments. And at the time, I was really conscious that I was the average of the five people I spent my time with. And... I just really wanted to elevate, you know, the com- the conversation and the consciousness and, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I invited five people that were like people that I really looked up to and really respected and said like, wow, like you inspire me. Like they were coaches, they were speakers, or they were living life on their own terms, you know, and these were people that I just didn't know how they were doing what they were doing, but they were incredible at what they were doing. And so I invited these people along and at the first event there was only two. So this is my living room and there's just two people that came and we had this amazing drop-in. And from there, I just kept doing it every fortnight. And from there, it's grown to a community of over 250 people here just in Melbourne, uh, in Fitzroy alone. And then since then, there's people that are doing it all over the country now, um, basically got their own chapters of Mandala Moments, um, people just opening up their living rooms to connect with each other and just have deep and meaningful conversations. Admittedly, some of them have dropped the chai, <laughs> but in Fitzroy, you still get chai chats in community. Um 
And so the birth of the podcast, you'll ask, where did that come from? For me, it started in mandala moments. And so these mandala moments, basically a mandala moment became became like a synonymous with when you had a moment of epiphany. It's that moment that like you kind of spiral in on yourself. And that wasn't intentional. That just kind of happened. Um, I didn't realize that that's, you know, again, synchronicity or whatever you want to call it. And from there, we were having these deep conversations, like really deep conversations, right? And my friends in my community were like, hey, like if you stuck a mic in the middle of this room, I think a podcast would be really amazing that could emerge from here. And at the time I had no idea what a podcast was and I was like, mm, I don't really know what it is. And they're like, check it out. These are what podcasts are. And no disrespect to those in the podcasting space. Obviously it's evolved a lot in the two years that I've been here, but initially two years ago, because it's still budding, when I tuned in, most of the podcasts I tuned into was like, hi, I'm an expert. Listen into this. And it's like, oh, I'm definitely not an expert. You know, I'm just like the student of life. You know, that's like my whole frequency is just to consistently be of learning, you know? And, um, I was like, maybe there's no space in podcasting for someone like me. And, um, but they were like, you know, stick a mic in the middle of the room and record it. And I was like, no, the reason we go so deep in these mandala moments conversations is because the space is such a sacred space. We're all holding space for each other and we're going deep because no one else is listening in, you know, and not to say that we're talking about things that are like, you know, controversial, but it's like, it's deep, tender stuff for for a lot of these people, you know? Um, and if we stick a mic in the room, there's like an energetic leak basically. And I was like, this is, this is not going to work. And then they suggested, or oh, maybe some of the better, like some of the conversations we have, you can take two people aside later in the week and then, you know, have conversations with them. And I was like, dude, like, I really can't do that. I don't have like this much time to, you know, like do mandala moments and then also like go and do interviews and stuff like this. But I was getting very inspired from mandala moments. And so my friends are consistently bugging me like, dude, podcasting is this thing you got to do. And I was just like, no, it's not the right medium. It's not the right forum. Who am I like to be doing this? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't resonate. And then a mentor appeared and he basically said, I really am looking to build out a podcasting course. I need a guinea pig and like, let's go do this. Um, let's set up a podcast. Uh, I've got I'm doing the first round of this podcasting course and I need, uh, like I'm looking for people to enroll into this course. And uh, my friends were on the other hand, pushing me to do a podcasting course. And I realized I was just this point of resistance in and around all of this energy. <laughs> and it was one of the first, it was the first times in my life that I really like was a open, like open and aware to that. And I, and I remember I was sitting in bed and it was like 3 a.m. in the morning that I woke up and I went, I'm just going to do it. What's the worst thing that happens? You know, I end up spending 10 grand on a podcasting course and I lose $10,000. But at the same time, like I just surrendered to something, you know, and maybe that's worth it. And... It was, it was a profound moment. And so I kind of just went like, okay, you know, I just gave myself permission for the next eight weeks to be coached into a podcast, which is not something I wanted. And I just surrendered to, yeah, my friends. And then from there, it was this complete journey of, you know, that was the birth of the inspired evolution, basically, um, being inspired by these conversations. And they said, you know, like, who is the podcast for? Getting clear on like, like you know, you and I did some work on this, like, who's your avatar? Like, who, who are you trying to reach? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm my avatar. Like I'm in the corporate nine to five and there's this energy that I don't resonate with, but there's all these people that are living life on their own terms. They're traveling, they're speaking, they're promoting and championing ideas that they're passionate about, like mindfulness and meditation for me, you know, and emotional intelligence and living a life of your own design now. And then, you know, turning your passions into your life and, you know, turning that into your, you know, profiting from that. And, um, 
there's all these things that people are talking about that I'm really passionate about that I really want to step into, but I don't know how to do that. And they're like, no, 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 get clear on like who you want to serve. And I'm like, I just want to serve me. <laughs> like, you know, I just want to fill up my own cup. I just want to displace myself. So I look at it now and I basically humbly put it as in I created a movement, you know. I just wanted to, and literally not like a, yeah, vigilante movement. No, it was just like I wanted to move out of corporate nine to five into a life of my own design. So it was just moving, like literally movement, like moving me in from here to there. And so I decided my podcast was basically going to be me interviewing people that was already like coming to my home um, on these at these Mandala moments and just interviewing them and seeing like what their journey was, what informed them, why they did what they did. Like a massive thing to share would be why. I always get obsessed with the why. Simon Sinek, love his work. Mm, yeah. And I was like, you know, why are you, why are you living life on your own terms? What was it that rubbed you against the grain of society? What was it? And so I went on this journey of just interviewing, you know, these people that, you know, um, were amazingly inspirational to me in my local community. And then from there, that basically started going on its own journey. And I've this is how an engineer thinks, right? I thought that I would interview these people and I'd interview 100, 200 people and I'd basically get a blueprint of like how to be an entrepreneur or a creative because all these people were entrepreneurs or creators, right? But I'm an engineer. Right? This is like engineering creative creativity is an insight into my mind. And I was like, I'll get a blueprint and I'll figure out how to do it and then I'll de-engineer like everybody's blueprint and formulate my own blueprint and walk out and, you know, into my own success, if you will, if you can call it success or whatever you want to call it. And I realized 10 episodes in that there is no formula to creativity or entrepreneurialism. Everybody's different. And just flagging something, if you think like you're an entrepreneur but you're not creative, to me they're the same thing. If you're an entrepreneur, you just get creative about how you make your money, you know. So they're actually the same thing to me. Um, And so I was like, dude, there's no formula for creativity. Creativity is unique to the individual, right, because creation hasn't created two people the same. So if you're going to learn how to figure that out, you've just got to walk out into the unknown. And then that was a huge pill to swallow because it was took a lot of courage and I literally just left. I didn't plan my savings. I didn't do anything. I just literally just walked out into the inspired evolution and free out of corporate nine to five. And at the time, that was huge for me. Yeah. That was huge because – just to, med- just to meditate on courage, like I could feel that the white picket fence and the consistent weekly paycheck, one of my favorite quotes is uh, there's the two most addictive things for the human psyche is A, heroin, and B, the weekly paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And so I was so addicted to that and I didn't realize how to break free from that, the security. And I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to walk the talk on the inspired evolution, I'm inspired to evolve. My evolution is at my edges and my edge is what life looks like outside of this and that was basically 18 months ago and since then um man when you the universe rewards courage like to look back now and just see how much has happened in the past yeah 18 months two years of podcasting um it's it's been insane you know like touch wood you know we met at mind valley um in Croatia and I'm traveling there and giving talks and, you know, traveling all over the world to just, you know, promote meditation, mindfulness, and, you know, that you can live a life of your own design um, and you owe it to yourself to do that. And yeah, you know, just that whole essence of what is your purpose? Why are you here? That's beautiful. That's awesome. And I, and I have to ask, you, so you hosted all these mandala moments in your living room. Have you had a mandala moment recently? 
Uh, there's one literally uh, right after I get off this call four hours from now. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, have you had any moments of like aha moments in your life? Meaning, have you had any moments that have just been like totally uh, like eye-opening for you recently, like an awakening moment? Oh, they happen all the time at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's moments that consistently just bring me in awe of of how just everything is is woven together. You know, I um, yeah, where do I even begin with you know speaking to the synchronicities that bring all the ahas? Um, but I guess one of the one of the things, and I know. Um, you know, intuition is something that is uh, a conversation we can have. So in and around there, basically, um, before I went away to Croatia, there was this opportunity. I had two clear opportunities um, outside of the inspired evolution, which everything I do is the inspired evolution. So like I kind of see the inspired evolution as an extension of my own energy. Um, but I was also working on a few side projects, right? And um, and in one of them, there was this incredible opportunity where I would basically build my entrepreneurial CV. I could be the partner of a, of a company if I just st- uh, stuck with it for two years. And it was an amazing company doing really well. And I was like, this would look really good for my entrepreneurial CV. All my, like, and I would be working with one of my best friends. He's an incredible entrepreneur, like phenomenal. Like he's, he's in three different ventures and he's not stressed. He manages to make it all tick and they're all succeeding, touch wood and thriving. And he basically just didn't want to manage one of them. And he was like, dude, come on, manage it two years from now. You know, we'll just go halves, halves in it because I just don't want it anyway. And you obviously are very capable in this space. And it's this incredible opportunity. And I was just like, okay, this sounds really promising. Um, but then this other opportunity appeared, which, you know, at the same time, my girlfriend's um, sister, she works for the government in the Department of Transport and she was like, you know, they're looking for people to come um, do some advisory work on the met- they're building a, a train system here. And, you know, it's like leaning back into your engineering past. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm pretty good from engineering for now, you know, like I'm happy to just keep walking this inspired evolution and, you know, figuring out how to be a creative and entrepreneur. And she was like, nah, just check it out. Like, this seems like a really good role for you. And I was just like, mm, I don't really want to consult and advise on something that, you know, like I've took so much energy to disconnect from, <laughs> you know. And um, long story short, I looked at the role. It was literally the ideal sort of advisory consultant role and that I that is suited to my personality. You're basically like an advisor and a planner and you basically look at things from a very high level and uh, in terms of engineering design and you basically your key role is communication communicating the ideas of how the project is going and stuff like that and communication is everything to me and so I was like this is pretty interesting that this role exists in engineering like normally engineering is very technical right and so I kind of had these two these two options um, of where I could direct my energy going forward when I came back from this European tour of speaking and then I'd be back home. And so generally I plan my life like I'll do sp- travel and speak for, you know, two, three months, come home, coach really intensely for three months. I've got like my coaching clients and then I'll go away and travel again and then coach again for three months. So that's kind of like the ritual that I'm in. And in and around that there's these little side projects that I can work on when I'm home, right? Um, and so 
it was really, really interesting just for the first time consciously in my life. I had two options and I didn't know which way to which way to go because by some grace of God, touch wood, maybe I've been really blessed, you know, but up until this point, uh, uh, point every, every time I'd interface with a decision, I had the opportunity to either take option A or option B, right? But one of the options was always had the moral high ground or was clearly better than the other option, you know? So it was never really a fork in the road. It was legitimately like, okay, you've got a couple of options. This is the best one. Go do it. And I just go do it and follow through on it. But this was the first time where it was like, I could either do this or I could either do that. Both kind of are good options, you know, like it's pretty ridiculous that this that this role has appeared, but then it's also really great for, you know, to like learn how to be an entrepreneur from your best friend who's an incredible entre- entrepreneur who's like five, 10 years ahead of you on the journey and you work, you know, hand in glove with him and learn so much about this. So I was like, where do I really want to go? Um, yeah. And the profound thing for me, and, you know, this is like, where was your recent mandala moment? So I basically didn't know how to make a decision. So I looked back into, in on the Inspired Evolution. I said, if I really had to make a decision, how would I do it? And, you know, one of the seminars we deliver is based on intuition. I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's go all the way with this intuition thing because I've crunched my head and my numbers hard enough and I, I still can't decide. And so I checked in. And this tool is available for anybody that's listening. You just close your eyes, breathe, check in, and just focus on option A, which for me, let's call option A, you know, working with my dear friend and, you know, with the potential to basically partner in his company. And then option B being, and like, let that go for a moment. And then after that, tune into option B and see, okay, how do I feel about when I am in this space where, you know, like I'm basically consulting and advising on something that you know I have like a bit of an aversion to going back to and my truth was option a working with my friend felt really dense like the way I describe it for me and everybody you know I've since coached people in this process and it's different for everybody some people experience contraction some people experience darkness I experienced like I could feel it looked like I was moving into like and Brazil's my favorite country, right? But it felt like I was moving into the, the forest. You can't even get through like with a machete. Like it was so dense, the the mm. shrubbery in front of me. But when I yeah. when I tuned into like the advisory role and just doing that for a little bit, that just felt like I could just feel open inside. And I felt lighter. And that that essence of feeling lighter was really something that stuck with me. I was like, oh my God, I feel lighter. And then I just tuned out and then came back and like into the present moment. And I was like, that is really fascinating. Like, this is really interesting because I'm at this fork in the road. My head is genuinely like, you know, one or 2% more likely to want to go with my friend and work on this opportunity so that I can build my entrepreneurial, you know, uh, straps, if you say, you know, gain those stripes. But my intuition is totally connected to me doing this other thing. And in that moment, you know, I had this real distillation and this real aha moment, right? And so I'm going to share this mandala moment and, uh, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we're ready. <laughs> I've prefaced it deeply enough. But in this moment I realized that in the quantum, now time doesn't exist, right? So that's like the finding of the quantum. So we're in this eternal expanding now. So the now is also what's ahead and the now is also in the past it's just one big now all moments are cascading in on themselves and that's where a lot of quantum healing happens because you can access your direct past because it's literally here available for you now right and you can you know 
manifest the future here and now, right? So this is like where quantum healers and I'm definitely not like qualifying myself as a quantum healer, right? But this is just my awareness of it. So in the quantum, the now is, it exists, the future exists now, the past exists now. So I realized that for me, the reason one felt lighter than the other, right, is because I chose to believe this, is that that's the path that my future self can affirm that I've already walked on and it is in fact the path of least resistance so it feels lighter. The other path genuinely feels like resistance, feels like walking into a forest with shrubbery around you feels dense because you're going to try walking into that and then you're going to have to course correct and navigate into the other path anyway in some way, shape, form or manner. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. And so holding that awareness from all the development from the inspired evolution, I was like, holy shit, this is really what like this moment has transpired to. So these moments are happening all the time, right? And this this was literally like four episodes, five, no, four, five Six, episodes yeah. ago. Yeah, something, right? So maybe like three months ago, yeah. right? Or something, yeah. Within the last three months, this was like an aha, aha moment that I had to sit with. And I was like, mm. holy shit, I'm going to make a decision based on all the personal development from the Inspired Evolution again. And the first one was trust and trusting to walk out. This one is like, now here I am, you know, like basing a life decision purely on intuition. And it could completely go belly up. Like I could literally be walking back into the behemoth that, you know, I wanted, I spent so much energy like building the inspired evolution, walking my own path and just, you know, disconnecting from and going back to some of that energy. I mean, like, hey, like, you know, what, there was just like all this around that. But I trusted my intuition and I said, look, I'm going to, I'm just going to see where this takes me. What's the worst that happens? I go, I have, you know, I spend, you know, a week or two, you know, advising on this project. And after that, I don't like it. I leave, you know, and I'm still on the inspired evolution, you know, everything will continue working. And it was profound. So the moment that I got there, like in an advisory role, you're obviously paired up with someone because, you know, there's a person in the team that you're advising with and to and all that sort of stuff. And so in that position, the person that was my counterpart, and this is by no means my like litmus for like if you're a, if you're someone I want to hang out with, but this just so happened to be the case. The person that I was directly interacting with for most of my day, he's been meditating for 20 years. He invites Tibetan lamas to come to Australia and holds retreats for them. And he's in this engineering space. And I'm just in awe of the fact that I'm spending all my days interfacing with this individual we're going to lunch together and we're talking about consciousness, spirituality, Buddhism, Tibetan, like just these Tibetan philosophies, communication and all these incredible things. And it just, it doesn't even feel like I'm going to advise I'm out of place. Yeah. But my head at no point was pointing me to this direction, but energetically when I tuned in, this was where I was meant to go. And then when I went down that path, it was affirmed that actually this feels really, really great, you know, and it's like this is really interesting that, you know, I can make these decisions, follow through. So like the universe again just went, yeah, you you made the right decision and I can feel it now. So that was really, really profound for me. Um, Again, just learning that, you know, we do develop these tools, we can lean in on these tools Um, and just that element of trust that you can build in yourself um, and then that connection to the intuition and then being rewarded for that touch wood, like what an absolute blessing. For sure. Now, just real quick, um, I mean, I'm even curious about learning more about the quantum field. 
where can people go to kind of go deeper into that? Where, you know, you're just talking about where time and space doesn't exist. People do meditations on this, right? Like looking into the past, looking into the, the future and kind of seeing where the alignment lies. Where, where have you seen the best kind of um, resources for this? Um, look, this is, if you had to start somewhere, um, the resource that, and sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why I have the resistance to, <laughs> and I went into that little sigh energy. Um, but yeah, if you had to start somewhere, I would recommend Dr. Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Um, that is a really good book, right? It doesn't directly speak to the quantum, um, but in terms of establishing an understanding of like your own healing and where you're at with yourself, I think that's a really great fundamental place to begin. Um, for me, I only re re read that book recently, um, six months ago. So this was just something that was coming through for quite some time for me and I pieced it together bits and pieces of information from a lot of different places and just built my own awareness and understanding of it. Um, there are many different people doing a lot of work in this space now, it seems to be very like the buzz thing, like quantum healing and quantum manifestation and quantum abundance. Um, so, and that was where the sigh came in because I can't yeah. really vet for a lot of, you know, the people in this space because, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, but, you know, in and around like spirituality work, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that, you know, are cap that is basically just capitalizing on other people's insecurities, you know, which is a really difficult thing to say you know um but it is happening so it's definitely worth flagging you know it's like so sometimes these things that are like in buzz and in trend um yeah it's very easy for like you know me to be here and be like oh yeah you know go have a look at something like you know quantum healing and then you know the first quantum healing person you find is just you know they've just pieced together something so I'm definitely, and this is why I prefaced what I said before, is like I'm definitely not qualifying myself as a quantum healer or anyone. You know, this was just me building tools for my awareness for where I was at on my journey. So this is all just dropped in over different parts of different episodes of the Inspired Evolution, having deep conversations and piecing all that together. So just to give you a clear idea, like podcasting, and I know, you know, <laughs> we've spoken about this, but it's kind of amazing, right? So like here we are, you know, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, Chelsea and I are having a conversation and I get to have these conversations, like you said, like with some incredible people. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you here as well. We get to spend an hour together, learn from each other, right? And generally like both your time and my time is extremely valuable, right? But we freely give each other an hour of each other's time and the only caveat and catch is that we have to share the content that was shared in that conversation on with others which as a subsequent byproduct ends up building a tribe and a community it's kind of bizarre like podcasting is amazing right um and so for me my podcast for me is literally my school right so when i'm looking to learn something i get the next person on and it's like hey like and every week you know i'm on a i'm on a cadence so it's like hey like I'm curious about this. I want to learn about this. Or I want to learn more about the quantum or I want to learn more about bio quantum biology. So a really good conversation that you can tune into on the inspired evolution around the quantum is Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, world's leading quantum biologist. Um, and we went super deep and super woo-woo and it was incredible to just see how woo-woo it could get with 
one of the world's leading scientists. It was just like, wow. And, you know, we talked about some really cool things like his TED Talk. He gave a TED Talk and then they banned it. (laughs) And it went from like 30,000 listens to like six and a half million listens because it was banned. And he was like, yeah, you can't suppress consciousness, mate. (laughs) So it was like this, yeah, it was really, yeah, really cool conversation. So that's there. But, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. It does. Thank you. That's awesome. I'll take a listen for sure. Something I'm super interested in as well. Amazing. So um, we're getting close to the top of the hour and uh, yes, thank you so much for doing this for sure. Um, And thank you for telling your story. If you were to leave uh, our listeners with one thing, something that they could take with them, um, either as a learning, or you talked about your story, you talked about depression, you talked about um, making a huge decision, following intuition, what would be the one thing that people could take from this and do something actionable with? (laughs) I love your questions, by the way. Um, So just before I answer that question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that this podcast has been very me talking a lot. (laughs) And thank you so much for tuning in and listening and just bearing with me through my story. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, it does add value to um, those that are tuning in and listening. Um, I know there's a lot of different bits and pieces to it and, um, I love storytelling, so I can literally sit here and talk all day. So I just want to acknowledge that and thank you for holding space for just listening so much to, yeah, somewhat of a one-way dialogue. Thank you for that. Um, Again, going deeper into, you know, I do believe everybody has a message. Um, That's a big part of the work that I do with Inspired Evolution. You know, there's some some key things that, you know, I coach on. Um, One of them is finding your voice. Another one is sharing your message. Um, And so, yeah, my message, real short, sharp, simple, is that actually your health and your purpose are the same thing. And so everything you find me doing, whether it's meditation, whether it's mindfulness, it's all driven by, you know, I see myself as a health coach really, right? Um, and But at, at its core, the inspired evolution is about finding your purpose, like live life on your own terms, design it, find your purpose fulfill your calling fulfillment is like the key but why is Amrit doing that you know when he's focused on health and so you know I've been through many different iterations of health you know it started early on in high school I was the fattest kid in class and um, from there basically you know I became a gym junkie and all the different you know shoes that I tried in around that from protein shakes to yoga to kettlebells to <laughs> like oh you just everything that comes with that for nine years you know moving in and out of the gym and I've still got a relationship with the gym today you know literally um working out so but that was kind of the first you know while of you know just dialing in on my nutrition and that was kind of the first phase of like the health journey and then from there these like conversations started getting a little bit deeper a little bit more woo woo and it started getting it to like water like what is your relationship with the water that you drink okay there's chemicals in the water that I'm drinking that are actually not serving me right and it's like okay there's different types of water and then it's like okay organic foods there's different types of foods nutrients in the soils so that journey just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and eventually it popped out that, you know, there's people like Warren Buffett, you know, who basically are like he's in his <laughs> he's he's quite old, right? He didn't make his first billion until he was like sixty or something. But he can live off cheeseburgers. Like he clearly openly admits that he's like, dude, my I can live off cheeseburgers. And I often question like, how does that happen? Like, you know, he's not like he's not serving his health in the best way as we would describe it. But he's out here like 
doing amazing things. And the real one of the real examples that I love using is Beyonce, right? So she does these incredible music videos, right? High energy, she's dancing, she's singing, she's putting out like she's literally creating she's an entertainer, right? And so she has reported that, you know, she goes three days filming videos, like right, with the crew, without literally without sleep, without eating. She'll hydrate, but she'll literally just go, no sleep no food, three days straight, just bang, 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 creating these high energy videos. And I'm in awe of that. And the question that pops up for me is like, where does the energy come from? Like what legitimately sustains you when you're doing that? And there is no question that Beyonce is here as an entertainer, right? If I went up to Beyonce and said, here's a shovel, please go dig me a hole (laughs) for the next three days and just keep digging the ditch. She's going to, obviously she's Beyonce. She's going to look at me and be like, dude, no. (laughs) But if she was game, just because she's got an amazing work ethic, I don't think she'd make it past like six, eight hours. She'd be like, I'm done with this. I'm going to bed. Yeah. But somehow something that's even more taxing on her body, which is dancing consistently, she can do that, right? Without food and without sleep for three days. Where does the energy come from? And I firmly believe that the energy comes from the universe. We are the universe looking in on ourselves. And when you're doing what you're put here to do, you find flow, you find natural energy. You're doing what you were put here to do. So everything else kind of falls in line with that. And for a while I was harboring this awareness on my own and I thought, oh my God, this is my realization, you know, this is like what I believe, is it vetted, is it not? And it turns out that, yes, it absolutely is vetted. Um, the whole science of Ayurveda, for those tuning in, like Ayurveda is like this ancient Indian science on health. Um, and the whole science of Ayurveda is constructed around, at its core, your dharma. And your dharma is your walk in life, your service, how you show up, right? And your dharma is your service to humanity. So your whole health is anchored around your service to humanity. And this is where we started the podcast, service is like everything for me, right? And so that's your dharma. And so your purpose, the reason you're here, right, your health is just here to help you facilitate the reason you're here. So if you can get really clear on the reason you're here, just case in point, let's get Western about it. Your stress dissolves because you're fulfilled. And when you're not stressed, a lot of our like diseases come from stress, right? Manifesting in one way or another. When you eliminate that stress because you love what you do, you're healthy. That's beautiful. Well, Amrit, thank you so much for sharing all of this, for sharing all of your wisdom, your story. And we will definitely have to do this again. Yeah, amazing. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It is such a real blessing. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird kind of way to put it. But um, yeah, just, you know, like, yeah, I don't know, just supporting someone's vision and someone's creation and then being part of that creation is just like this. Yeah, it's, it's really a blessing. I really can't speak to it um, in the right amount of words, but just really, really honoured to be here, sister. And thank you for the work that you're doing and the way you show up in the world. And, yeah, just blessings, thank blessings. You. Thank you.